Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1 as we step back into our Luke series. I so smile upon the fact that God has us studying the birth of John the Baptist today. You know that we're doing a child dedication later in the service, but how appropriate that we dedicate these little ones to the Lord on such a holiday as this. And after studying such an appropriate text as this, the title of our study is Children Who Are Strong in Spirit. You'll see that this comes from verse 80. But uh, fathers, my prayer is that the word of God will both instruct and inspire us to devote and keep devoting ourselves to raising sons and daughters who are strong spiritually. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. At the end of the day, isn't that what matters most? Let's be clear. How fast they can run and how far they can throw a ball and how high their GPA is and how much money they make at their job, all of that matters, but it matters nothing like how strong they are in the Lord. I need to be reminded of that. We constantly need to bring our ambitions and our goals and our vision for our children back into that most important focus. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is no small calling. You understand this. And today we do want to thank you, dads. We want to honor you and praise God for your dedication to such a noble calling. We also want to press you to press on. It's easy to get discouraged, distracted, disillusioned when it comes to parenting. Just ask any dad of teens. Those young adults are running in so many directions. They are making so many big decisions. They're sorting through so many emotions and values. Good fathering does not happen by accident. Godly fathering does not happen by accident. And so today, let's look to the word for some clear direction for dads. And and of course, yes, this is for moms as well. And yes, children and young people, this is for you to aim for as well. But I'm going to approach the text today for dads. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the role model father. You have set the example for us and you have given the clear guidance that we need in your word for how to go about fatherhood. We thank you that you have not only given us the instruction manual, but Lord, you are the word and you empower us to follow through on this incredible calling that you have given us. When we stop in the busyness of life and ponder the value and the treasure in that little life that you have given to us, Lord, our hearts are so overwhelmed with joy, with gratitude, with responsibility. And as they grow, Lord, it just seems that that responsibility grows larger and larger, larger than us. 
And so we thank you, Lord, that it is not larger than you. You have given us the light that we need to parent our children towards Christ's likeness. We pray today that you would again fill us with your truth and empower us to honor it as we continue in the roles as fathers. We thank you for this time together and trust that we will walk away different than when we came. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're picking back up in Luke chapter 1 after a few weeks off. Praise God for, for Christian Gidry and his love for the word and his ministry of it to us last week. Praise God for the, the four people who were baptized the Sunday before that. I mean, is that just not a shockwave of joy to the church family and inspiration when we're reminded that God is still saving people? He is still changing people. And we rejoice in that. But it was in the weeks before that that we, we covered our first three studies here in chapter 1. We saw the angelic appearance to Zacharias and the miraculous, the divine pregnancy of Elizabeth, who is the mother-to-be of John the Baptist. Then we saw a similar angelic appearance for Mary, the virgin mother-to-be of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then we looked at Mary's Magnificat, the song of praise that she gave when she and her relative Elizabeth met to rejoice together in their most unusual and blessed circumstances. And today we come to Zacharias's song of praise. Now remember, Zacharias, the husband of the expecting Elizabeth, Zacharias has been mute for nine months. He doubted the word of the Lord through the angel Gabriel, and consequently, he lost his ability to speak for nine months. Think twice before questioning God out of a heart of doubt. Our text today begins in verse 57 of Luke 1. Follow along as I read. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing together with her. Indeed, as we celebrate this child dedication in just a few minutes, we are all rejoicing together. Verse 59 continues, And it happened that on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father, but his mother answered and said, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who's called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name as, is John. In 21st century, that's interpreted, just do what the mother says. <laughs> and they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them. And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. Now, we're not going to dwell on these verses so far, but th this picture is very straightforward. John has been born. It's his day of circumcision. 
His name astonishes everyone because it doesn't follow tradition and expectation. It honors and obeys what God said to do. Boy, a whole lesson right there. Everyone in the area is talking about this. This was big news. Everyone is marveling not only at what had happened, but as to, to what might come. What then will this child turn out to be, they asked. For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. This leads us to the focus of our study today, a father's sevenfold prayer for his children. Zacharias is about to burst out in magnificent, even prophetic song of praise under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We cannot miss that point in the text. This isn't just Zacharias's song, his best worship. No, the Holy Spirit, the hand of God, came upon Zacharias in a special and unique and powerful way and spoke through him. Now, we could look at this song from several angles, of course, but today I'd like us dads to learn from Zacharias' song how we should better pray for our children. Mothers, encourage the dads in this. Children, encourage your father in this. If we all know what the bullseye is, and if we all support it and push in the same direction, surely God will bless it. The first point of a father's prayer for his children is this, for God's hand to be with them. Now to appreciate this, we must ask, what then is the hand of God? Well, in very simple form, this metaphor refers to the accomplishing power of God. It's what his hand does. It's how his hand protects and provides. It's his guidance and his blessing. It is his direct, uh, his direct moving in the affairs of this world and even in individual lives. When the hand of God is upon a person, he is clearly with them and at work in them and through them. Fathers, pray this for your children. Long for this in your children. Strive toward this end in your children so much as God gives you and me responsibility in it. We'll see this unfold more as we work through the verses. But here in verse 66, it's the word certainly that should also catch our attention. The hand of God was certainly with this infant, John. It was undeniable and obvious. Oh, to pray this for our children. Not just that they would love God and follow him and that his hand would be upon them, but that it would be greatly so. Men, I fear that oftentimes we set our spiritual sights too low for our children. We must raise them up according to the word of God. Verse 67 says, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Point number two, fathers pray that their lives would, be, would bless God. Pray that the way your children live would bless the Father in heaven. Many times here we have sung these lyrics. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh, my soul. I'll worship your holy name. Now, for us to be blessed means to be truly happy because the favor and goodness of God has been shown to us. But oh, that our child, children's lives would bring joy back to the heavenly Father as they bestow upon him the worship and the praise and the loving obedience that is due his holy name. Dads, do your children often hear you pray that they would live in a way that pleases God? What we pray over our children makes a difference. Would you agree? Thank you, at least one or two of us do. Yes, of course it does. It plants the seeds of biblical aspiration in their hearts and minds. And beyond just the, the bedtime prayers or the family devotion prayers, are we faithfully teaching and demonstrating and inspiring them to live in a way that pleases the Lord? Verse 68 continues. For he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. The third prayer that we should give for our children is that they would be saved. When you look at the total length of Zacharias's prayer here in this text, notice that a large portion of it is dedicated to the topic of God's salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Such should be the emphasis in our own children's lives. Bible, you know, says that when a person repents of sin, that means that there is a godly sorrow in their heart, an acknowledgement of sin. And when they turn from sin and instead believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they trust in him, when they cling to him, the scripture says they are saved. One of the most well-known verses, John 3, 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Oh, that our children would hear us dads pray daily that they would believe in the word and person of God. And that we would then teach them what the Bible says and demonstrate for them what true belief looks and lives like. What did John, the Apostle John, say in 3 John verse 4? I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in truth. Zacharias continues in verse 74. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Prayer number four, that our children would fearlessly serve God. 
that they would fearlessly serve God. It is one thing to serve God. It is another to serve him fearlessly. No concern what enemies might do or threaten to us. Now, I could be wrong, but I sense that in the cultural sphere of this world and in the approaching days ahead, my children will need to know and demonstrate this truth perhaps even more than I have been called to. Oh, that they will fear God no matter what the enemy threatens to do. On this point, let me just read a few psalms because the psalmist understood very well his enemies, and his protector. Psalm 27, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Psalm 56, verse 4. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Those are incredible words. Psalm 118, verses 6 through 9. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Dads, are our children learning that kind of spiritual protection reality from us? Are they learning to understand the sovereignty of God in the presence of their enemies? Do we understand this? Are we growing in this? Oh, the blessings of our salvation. Verse 75, how should we serve God? In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Prayer number five, that they would live holy and righteous lives in the sight of God to the end. That is what we should pray for our children. Now, I know that's a lot packed into one point there. That's because verse 75 is an incredibly loaded verse. Fathers, are you and I passionate about holiness in our sons and daughters? Does our heart cry out to God that they would be more like Christ? And does your and my lifestyle and behavior in the home especially clearly motivate them to righteousness, both living righteously and accomplishing righteousness? This is the idea of be good and do good according to the word. Can they see by our example that faithfulness to God is worth it? all the way to the end. If the Christian life is not getting better for you and me the longer we live, then why should they follow our example and believe what we teach them? And yes, of course, we must define getting better the longer we live. We define that according to the word. That phrase came out in our studies earlier in this chapter. You will hear it again and again and again throughout this series. 
That phrase should stick in our minds. The Bible must define all our terms or something else will. Are you with me on that? Maybe the world will. Maybe our own thinking will. Maybe their friends will. If our children are going to live faithfully in the sight of God to the end, may it be in large part because of the desirable example of their dad. Yes, the grace of God will be with them sufficiently, even if they do not have that example, as is the case for a number of you here, I know. But the blessing of God will not be with you and me as fathers if we don't provide that example. Oh, the satisfaction to someday hear our children say, I wanted to be like Christ because of what I saw in my dad. Oh, how we pray that our children will live holy and righteous lives before God to the end. You know, as we have this child dedication in just a little bit, this is what we pray for our children. Verse 76. The attention of this song of praise now reflects upon the child. Zechariah says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. What a calling! To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Time doesn't allow us this morning to unpack every nugget of gold truth here in these amazing verses. I'd encourage you to dig into this a little bit during the week on your own. But for now, we see that the sum total of what John the Baptist was called to do should also similarly be the sum total of what we pray for our children. Point number six, that they would lead others to Christ. John would prophesy of Christ, meaning he would foretell. My church family, do we not have a word from heaven called the Bible that gives us the message of what tomorrow holds and how humanity should respond to it. We point people to the eternal realities of the next life and what those realities will be like with or without God and the Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, that our children would catch that vision and that mission through us, dads. Oh, that our children would prepare the way of the Lord for others to hear and receive the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Oh, that our children would come to understand and treasure the tender mercy of God and the light of Christ 
to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. If ever in my lifetime I sense that America was sitting deeper in the shadow of death, it is today. Some will run from the shadow. Others will carry the light straight into it. I praise the Lord for you, for everyone in this church family, because of what God has taught us and done in us over the past couple years, like he has many who follow him around this world. He has not called us to run from the shadows of darkness and death. He has called us to carry the light straight into it. And by his grace and his vision and his strength and his provision, you voted 100% in that annual meeting out in the field over at Harborview Fellowship that summer, what, two years ago or so. You voted 100% to move forward with this building project, even though it appears so much of culture is falling down and apart around us. God has not called us to run from the shadow of death. What a privilege we have to be ambassadors who hold the light of eternal life, Jesus Christ himself. Are we passing the vision of that privilege to our children? Oh, that they would guide the lost feet of people into the way of peace, as the verse says. Verse 80. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. Here's the seventh facet of our prayer for our children, that they would grow and be strong spiritually. That's the title for today's study, children who are strong in spirit. Dads, it will not be by chance that our children grow in spiritual strength. It will be by the grace of God and the grace of God often flows through the Father. Are you and I increasingly committed to the day after day teaching and exemplifying and inspiring of our children in their spiritual growth? I suppose if you were to ask me for the top five things I would ask of God for our church family, the first would be that every person here has a daily, sincere, personal, transforming encounter with the Word of God in their own quiet time. Make no mistake on that. What happens in your quiet time with God, what happens in my quiet time with God, is who we are as a church family. Far more so than the programs that we hold on Sunday and through the middle of the week. Far more so than the facilities God has entrusted to us. It's what happens in the one-on-one -on -one with the Word of God in prayer and with the Spirit of God that determines who we really are. That would be my first prayer for our church family. I've shared my heart on that with you before. But somewhere also near the top of this list would be that fathers are passionately, sacrificially, 
and humbly devoted to the spiritual growth of their children. Give me those two things, and I'll die a happy pastor. Of course, there's much more that we long for in our spiritual growth and mission. But this commission that we have been given by God all through the Old Testament and the New ranks somewhere very high on this list of priorities. It's one of the greatest commandments God has given us. Verse 80 continues. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Point number eight, that they would live in the desert until the... No, I'm just kidding. There is no point here. Fathers, are you encouraged in the word of God? I'll take that as a no. But I'll ask the question again. Fathers, are you encouraged in the word of God? What a divine and eternally lofty purpose God has entrusted to us in this life to point our children to Christ. Men, if you have never received this kind of godly upbringing as a child, then by God's grace, be his agent of radical change in your family tree. Amen? If another man stepped into your life to be a spiritual dad to you. Thank God today for that man. And go and find ways you can do likewise for other young men. If you're a man in this church who God has not called to marriage or fatherhood, then sink your teeth into these truths just in case he does. And meanwhile, Pray these truths over the fathers and the children in our church family and support them in these noble spiritual pursuits. Perhaps be a part of the children's ministries in the church. Mothers, oh, how we bless you and praise God for your part in supporting us as godly fathers. God gave Adam a wife for a reason. For one, no wife, no kids. And when they had kids, God knew that Adam was going to need some major help. And so he gave him a helpmate. Wives, help your husbands teach and live out and pray these truths over your children that they may be children who are strong in spirit. Amen?